This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show every morning at 8am UK time. Thank you so much for making this part of your morning routine. So good to see so many of you always in the chat box soon as I log on. It really is uh, quite heartwarming in the mornings, which we appreciate. It's currently looking quite red outside, which is not good news um, in terms of the weather. It's going to mean it's going to rain ridiculously later on, uh, or so I'm told by the old nursery rhyme. So fingers crossed it's not going to do that um, because I've now just started uh, a fair few days off from work. It's been a, since I started the job with Reach and Football.London back in August, uh, I haven't been able to really take too much time off, which I know seems really silly because everyone works but I still have been out just been out from a year of teaching and when you're a teacher you get very used to kind of that 13 weeks off that you get which I know sounds ridiculous but for anyone that you may know that's a teacher those 13 weeks are in a way sometimes they get a bit boring because obviously it's so much time but it's but in the other way they are so so earned because it's such a demanding job now the difference is is i've loved this job um it's still very very demanding still very hard working um and when you transition from one job where you have so many kind of days off to a job where obviously there's far less and uh obviously more in line with what you would expect from 90 percent of the jobs that are out there um it's when you finally have a fair few days off which i've taken because i had some annual leave at, at the end of the year it's uh, it's going to be hopefully bliss, but it's also going to be strange. Uh, it means that I'm going to be able to do a couple of shows that I wouldn't have been able to normally do. So I'm going to be able to do a reaction straight after tonight's game against Everton, which I'm looking forward to bringing to you guys. So make sure you do log into the show straight after the game has finished. Um, and yeah, this show is going to be continuing on and in the mornings, which I'm looking forward to. And then I'm going to have to find something to do to fill my days, which is going to be interesting. Probably lots of transfer talk uh, and uh, tactical breakdowns. There's a few shows to come out this month. We've got to look back at Saliba from last month. We've also got to look back at uh, the youth team from last month as well. So there's going to be some shows for you this week. Looking forward to that. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. So good to have you in here as always. Lots of the usual suspects that we love to see. Thank you so much for joining us and saying good morning to everybody in the chat box as well. Always an absolute pleasure to bring you the show. Without further ado, though, let's kick off by telling you, as always, to go subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Link is in the description, as always, so please make sure you do. Uh, it's a relatively fresh cut, doing the dom, or doing the dam, says doing the dam. There you go. Um, 
but uh, it was done the other week. It's just I wear a hat quite often, so you don't tend to see it. But yeah, it's a fairly it's a fairly fresh cut, one that was very much needed as I started to get through the Elvis phase of my hair getting stupidly bouffant, shall we say. Let's move on to the first story of the day, which revolves around the women's sides that lost three 0 yesterday um, in the FA Cup final. Look, I was really disappointed with the performance. Um, I. I watched the game whilst I was working yesterday and yeah, it was really poor. I mean, we miss Leah Williamson a lot. She is a huge, huge force for us at the back and I thought the defenders were really quite poor, didn't really offer too much. The width wasn't there as it usually is. Katie McCabe, for instance, just wasn't able to have an impact on the game. I didn't think Miedemar got into the game at all. Our best player was probably Kim Little. We've done some really good twists and turns in the middle of the field. Beyond that, they just weren't very good. And on top of that, Chelsea were great. In particular, Sam Kerr was fantastic. I mean, her third, her, the third Chelsea goal and her second was such a good finish. The, the dink over the keeper is such a technical piece of skill. I mean, I remember when I was growing up and the, the women's game was just not looked at in the same way as the men's. And what you would tend to see is, is on social media, you would see a lot of usually middle-aged men, unfortunately, um, taking the mick out of the women's game with like clips and videos of mistakes that have been made. And look, in certain places, the level of the women's game is still at a very low level because it's just not got the infrastructure. The English women's game has so, so much resource now and is being pushed so, so much further. And if you watch the FA Cup final and if you watched Chelsea yesterday, it was the evidence of how far the women's game is is improving because some of the play, some of the things that happened on the pitch were so, so good um, and so impressive. And as, as I say, Sam Kerr in particular was was absolutely fantastic. So it's great to see it, it, it evolving and getting better, but it's not so great because Arsenal uh, got absolutely battered yesterday and were very, quite rightly, the losers of, of, of the match. But uh, they got a chance to respond against Barcelona, which isn't the easiest side. Uh, in fact, they're a better side than Chelsea. So if they can get anything from that game, it would be huge. But they should still progress through the Champions League group anyway. Um, but it's a big game against Barca for them to to turn back. I just hope they don't go as defensive as they did yesterday because, yeah, it was poor. But uh, hopefully they can turn it around in the next one. We won't remember this final. Hopefully remember a league title. That'll be great. Moving on to uh, Granite Xhaka. Now, if he's probably seen, and you've probably seen over your timelines, is uh, Granite Xhaka has returned to uh, training, which is fantastic. Um, I say fantastic, and I know a lot of people aren't the best. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I know they don't think of him as the the, the greatest midfielder of all time, let's say. Um, but what I would say is that he is going to be an asset for us moving forwards. He is going to be someone that's going to improve us. He is going to be someone um, that is better than Mohamed Elneny, better than Anthony Niles. And, you know, he was better than Thomas Partey last season. Based on how Partey is playing this season, there's a chance he could come back and be better than him as well. I, for one, I'm looking forward to seeing Granit Xhaka back in the team as soon as possible. I think he will bring some stability, some progression to our play. He was crucial in that game against Spurs, playing alongside Partey. And so, fingers crossed, um, he can be the absolute difference for us moving forwards. There's no promises because we know it's Granit Xhaka and he's got his issues. 
fingers crossed though we see a Jacker comeback that is a lot better than what we've seen already. And if it is, that's great because he was already decent before that. Moving on to our penultimate story of the day, Dejan Kulazewski, the links from Italy have not stopped. In fact, they have increased in their ferocity, intensity, all those types of links and adjectives to be using. Arsenal's interest in this Swedish winger does not seem to be going away whatever. In fact, it seems to be continuing to pick up speed and Arsenal could even, you never know, with the way that these links are going, see a heavy bid link made near the January window. We're now in December, of course. We're getting very close to the January window. Will they move for Kulazewski in the January window? I'd be surprised, to be honest, because we have a lot of wide players already. I do feel like we need one, but only because of the underperformance of some of the players like Nicolas Pepe, for example. Do I think Pepe will lead the club in January? I would be surprised. Could he lead the club in the summer? It's possible. So I'd be surprised to see Kulazewski join us in January. Maybe he will join us in the summer. I, for one, think there are better players out there that you can sign in a wide position. I like Noah Lang a lot after doing a fair amount of research and watching of him. I think he's a great player. Is he better than Kulazewski? Possibly. He's playing at a different level. So that's obviously making the comparisons a bit harder. But the player that I'd like most of all is Pedro Gonçalves. It's uh, Pedro Gonçalves at uh, at uh, Sporting Lisbon. So I think that he's someone that adds goals, creativity, far more consistent than Kulazewski. Uh, and I think it's time for him to, to to make that step. He's not he's no longer a kid. He's he's in his early to mid-20s now. Gonçalves is is some or Gonçalves is someone that I think that we should be looking to to bring in absolutely in uh, as soon as possible because he's a fantastic player. Uh, let's move forward to our final story of the day. Jonathan David. Uh, has been linked more directly with Arsenal. In fact, the Evening Standard, Simon Collings, friend of the show, um, reported yesterday that Arsenal are tracking, the link to the article is in the description if you want to give it a read, Arsenal are tracking Everton striker uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as they look to bolster their attacking club. And the club are scouting a number of different options with Lille forward Jonathan David, another player who has been scouted. Um, reporting the rest of that story. As I say, you can go and read the rest of that with the link in the description to find out a bit more. But interesting that Jonathan David is a player that is being targeted now by Arsenal. As we know, a lot of people have been suggesting Jonathan David as a possible option for the Gunner striking issue. Sitting now just 21 years of age, still coming, of course, from Canada and playing for the uh, the Canada international side. Uh, 11 goals in 17 games so far in Liga, two goals in five Champions League outings, 13 goals in 23 matches in total across all competitions. He's a player that is on the up. He's a player that's only going to get better. I do have reservations, very naive reservations. They are selfish. They are completely based on the fact of the struggles we've had with Pepe after signing him from Lille. I just can't shake them. Any French expert that watches the game will tell me that I'm an idiot and they're quite right to do so. But I just can't shake that 72 million. And I worry that signing an attacking player from Liga will come back to bite us, which I know is, as I say, ignorant and naive and silly. It's just hard to get over after the whole Pepe situation. Looking at Jonathan David on his own merits, he's quick, he's technical, he's a clinical finisher. I do think that he is someone that hopefully, if we were to say sign him, would be able to go on and improve in the Premier League and prove that whole Liga uh, mind block that a lot of people, including myself, sometimes have wrong. And I hope that he would do that. Um, And I hope that he would improve us. So if we are to sign Jonathan David, as we are now linked with him, 
then fair play. I hope that he does a great job and joins us at the club. We're going to move now on to your questions in the chat box. So if you do indeed have any, do throw them in and I'll go through as many of them as possible. I'm only going to be around for probably around 10 more minutes because I've got the dentist this morning. Yes, the dreaded checkup with the dentist. It's not the greatest of days. So help me take my mind off it by throwing in some great questions. Let's get on with it. Okay, going into the chat box. Emmanuel Ojo, our resident negative Nelly, who's actually turning into a more of a positive force in our Discord server, asks, I haven't read his question yet. I'm not looking at the screen. I just saw his name pop up. I'm going to assume it's going to be a beacon of positivity. Let's go. TC, on a scale of 1 to 10, how close are you to being up? Ah. <sighs> Oh, Joe, I had so much faith in you. <laughs> How close are you to being our Tatarau? If we are at the 8th in February, should he be sacked? Look, to be honest, this is going to be one of those seasons where I don't think we're going to be all that far away from fourth uh, for much of the season. And I feel like it's going to be one that we assess come the end of the campaign. Look, to be honest, there's no real excuse for us to be outside the top six this season at all. Leicester have been poor. Spurs have started badly, but are picking up a bit of momentum. West Ham look really good. Man United are looking better under Ranić. That's kind of the teams there. You're looking at Arsenal have got to beat one of Man. They've got to beat all of Man United, West Ham, and Spurs if they want to get to fourth. If they want to get into the top six, they've just got to beat one of West Ham, Spurs, and Man United. That's kind of where we are, because Leicester, they're not really in it anymore. They've dropped off so far and away this season, they're probably not going to be in a race for Europe. So we have to beat one of those three to get top six. We should be able to do that. We have a better squad than West Ham, even though they're overperforming massively at the moment. We have a better squad than Spurs. We don't have a better squad than Manchester United, but you know we're ahead of them at the moment in the league. We need to make our games as, as you know, we need to use our games to the best of our ability to accumulate the points that we need. We got a huge game against West Ham in a couple of weeks. That's going to tell us a lot about the team. So, in terms of a scale of one to ten, I'm on about a, a three, a two or three on this. I'm far, I'm like twenty percent, twenty to thirty percent. I, I wouldn't go anything higher than that. Only because there's a lot that still needs to happen, and I was very much thinking a change of manager would have been the right decision after the Villarreal game. But at the moment, based on how we've started, based upon the fact that we've been given the hope of possibly a top four race this season, I'm probably around the 20% mark. If we're 8th in February, it depends how far off 4th we are. If we're like 10 points off 4th, then you have a discussion. Also, it depends how far off 6th you are. Again, if you're like so far and away off 6th, then you probably have to say yes. It all depends on where we are in terms of relation to the other positions in the table. Uh... Uh, KJ says, uh, I, Tom, thoughts on Origi to place Lacazette? I, I'm not sure he's the right player to go for, to be honest. Look, I've always been very much of the mindset that if we sign a player, we need to make sure that they're getting into the sides that we're competing with. Origi doesn't get into those other teams. He's a good backup for Liverpool, but he doesn't get into those other teams that we need to be looking to try and compete with. Uh, Patrick says, go to Leeds and buy Bamford. Patrick demonstrating that classic recency bias. Bamford scores last night, gets back into the minds of people. Bamford's, you know, coming towards the latter years of his career. He's not the age, right age profile of a striker that we need to go for, in my opinion. Marcus says, Tom, you always comment on Pepe from the French League, but would you say the same as Lacquer? France, great for us, far less so. Um, I think that Lacazette has definitely not accumulated 
the return on the 50 million pound investment that we made in him. He hasn't been able to translate his abilities seamlessly from France to the Premier League. In fact, he's probably regressed. He hasn't been as close to the striker that he was for Lyon as he has been for Arsenal. However, what I would say is that arguably he was never allowed to be because after six months, we signed Aubameyang. And so therefore, he was always going to be in a, a bit of a competition with Aubameyang to get into the team week in, week out. So I'm just I'm just not sure whether or not he has been given the opportunity to be Arsenal's out-and-out striker during his career. So it's a little bit difficult. Uh, Kersian, I doubt that Xhaka will be in the starting lineup. There's a chance he could be on the bench, but I would be shocked to see him in the starting lineup. But that's a really good sign. We could have him for Southampton. Hopefully, we'll have him for West Ham. That would be great. We'll see what happens. Uh, Carl says, uh, what changes would you make for the Everton game? If you go and watch our preview show, you can see all of our predicted lineups with myself and the members. Um, but some of the key ones is that I would go with Balogun up top. Call me crazy. Um, but I would go with Balogun. In fact, I need to have a look at the PL2 table because one thing I didn't look at was Arsenal's last fixture. Um, I mean, Arsenal play against Everton's under-23s today which means we don't know whether Balogun's going to be in that squad or not. We'll know a little bit later this afternoon, um, but I doubt that he'll be with the senior squad. But I would go with Balogun, genuinely. I, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I would genuinely go with Balogun up top. I think he's on fire. Play your striker that's in form. And he's in form. He's on, he's on such hot form. How could you not give him a chance? I would so play him. Absolutely. Magambo, Tom. We do we fast forward Martinelli's progression uh, as the more he plays, the better he looks. Instead, depending on Aubameyang, we might as well try him up top. He has the attributes of a centre forward. He just needs, needs minutes. Look, I, for one, have always been a believer that Martinelli is not a centre forward. I think he can play there as a secondary position. But for me, he is a wide forward. I like him on the ball more. If you play him in striker, he becomes far more isolated. He doesn't get, he doesn't, he's not able to get on the ball as much. Get him on those wings, getting playing off the striker, running in behind, feeding off the link-up play, getting him in the box, creating opportunities like he did for Erdogan against Manchester United. For me, he's a wide player, and I would play him in a wide position. I think Smith-Rowe's fitness is in question. Martinelli goes left, Saka goes right, Erdogan in the middle, Balogun up top. That's what I would go with tonight against Everton. It's a young team, but you play the players that are in form, in my view. Uh, Bryant says, thoughts on Marcelo Flores. He's in the senior Mexican national setup now, and there's a lot of potential in him. Thoughts of him breaking through into the first team. Um, I mean, he's not even in the under-23s yet, Bryant. So we can't really have a discussion about him breaking into the first team because he's not yet broken into the under-23 side. Once he's broken into the under-23s, which I'm assuming will be very soon, but there is a lot of talent in his position at the moment in the under-23s with Kido Taylor-Hart, Amari Hutchinson, etc. So... He's got quite a bit of work to get into that youth side, but we have to get him into the under-23s. He's still playing with the under-18s before we get him into the first-team setup. Who knows? He could be in pre-season this summer. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Franklin says, why are we not linked with Patrick Schick of Leverkusen? He's on having a fantastic season. Um, why are we not linked to him? I don't know. But now you've mentioned it, maybe we will be. <laughs> you never know. Uh, he's scoring some great goals. He's scoring some frequent numbers of goals too. So it's probably surely no time until we will see a link with him. Manu says, two questions. With Xhaka's obvious flaws, who do you think he could balance those out best with in our current midfield? Partey is the obvious answer. Have you talked to Drew about Noah Lang's issues? He gives me Genduzi vibes. No, but I have talked to um, 
Uh, I have talked to. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I forgot his name. No. Oh, Bart Lager, um, the uh, Belgian journalist who actually, Manu, you sent me in the direction of. And he kind of rested my um, concerns. He, he made it seem like those issues off the field weren't as bad as maybe a lot of people have made them out to be. So I'm not as concerned about those as maybe a lot of people were initially. But that definitely gives me a bit more confidence. John says, hi, Tom. The interest in Dominic Calvert-Lewin is spurred by what? Our needs plus his contract running down. Is he looking to move on? Do Everton no longer need him? Or is cash for them more important? Well, I mean, based upon their owner, you would think that cash isn't a problem. His contract runs out in 2025. He's got four years left on his current deal. He only signed his last contract last year. So his contract isn't running down. He's got lots of years left. He's going to be expensive if we want to buy him. They're going to ask for upwards of £60 million for him. I think it's because of our needs, obviously adding someone that obviously has got who's clinical, someone who's good in the air, someone who adds that kind of aerial threat to our game, but also has the ability to link up play. Calvert-Lewin is a good striker. I called him prolific in yesterday's show, which some people took a bit of an issue with. Um, I think you need to look at his goal-to-game ratio. I think you need to see that he's a clinical forward that you know scores regularly. Three goals in the three games he's played this season. I think to overlook Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a little bit naive. I know maybe that people want a little bit more exotic forwards that have come from abroad, but English players so often get looked down upon because they're unfashionable. I don't really understand why, because England has one of the best talent pools of players in the world right now, hence why they got to the semi, the final of the Euros, hence why they got to the semi-final of the World Cup. We have one of the best international setups and talent pools in the world and continue to dominate those youth polls. I mean, you look at the Copper Award, Greenwood, Bellingham uh, and Saka, all in the top 10. And then you've got other players that are coming through that are also looking to be really, really impressive. You've got such young kids out there like Sancho and Foden and Smith-Rowe that just keep impressing Callum Hudson-Odoi, of course, too. England has one of the best talent pools in the UK, in the UK, in the world. And so therefore, English players are not unfashionable. And if you're getting in the England setup, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, you must be a pretty darn good player. So I wouldn't write him off as people so quickly do so. Um, Josh says it shouldn't matter if his contract is running down. If Arsenal want to be a big club again, we act like one and we take the players we want from clubs below us who are going to make us better. I do agree. And Dan Potts would be screaming from the rooftops in uh, support of you. Absolutely. Guys, if you're watching the show and you're enjoying the engagement and the fact that we answer as many of your questions as we can, please do drop a like on the video. I know I can't get to all of your questions. Please do drop a press on that like button. I really would appreciate it. Kevin says, Tom, what do you think of a Nezri to replace a Bamiyang? Look, I think I've said it a number of times on the show, Kevin. I'm a big fan of a Nezri. I like what he does at Sevilla. He suffered with a few injuries this season. Fast, technical, physical, good in the air, clinical. I like everything about him. I think he's a really good forward and would certainly add something to our team. Garner Ed says, hey, Tom, will you send Pepe out on loan? No, I would sell him. It's as simple as that. Um, let's go to Carabo says a shock move for Paul Pogba or even Kessie, an experience and class in the sense. I mean, Kessie isn't experienced. He's still quite young. Pogba is. I don't think we're going to go for Pogba. I don't think we would get him. I don't think we could convince him to sign, to be honest. Kessie, though, six months left on his deal. Maybe someone that we could look for. So there you go. Um, 
Daniel Robinson says, I don't want Calvert-Lewin. Injured loads, similar to Renato, who you also don't want because of his injury record. Let's have a look at Calvin, Calvin uh, <laughs> Lewin. I mean, to be fair, Dan, he has a fractured toe right now. That's not exactly the same as all the muscular injuries that, um, <laughs> that Renato Sanchez. In fact, if we have a look at his injury record, he is the same age as Renato Sanchez. Uh, let's go through this. 16, 19, 20, 24, 32. So... In comparison to Renato Sanchez, uh, 37 more games has been missed by Renato Sanchez at the same age. So it's not the same as Renato Sanchez because, I'm sorry, but Renato Sanchez at the same age has missed 37 more matches than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And 14 of those matches have been missed because of this fractured toe injury, which is not an injury that you look at and go, oh, He's injury prone. His toe fractures all the time. No, that's an impact injury and nothing to do with this. In fact, last season, he missed five games um, because of a hamstring and a muscle injury. Uh, two, two for the hamstring, which doesn't show a reoccurrence of that problem. That's a strain. And he only missed eight days. A muscle injury in uh, January to January 26, 24 days, three games missed. Uh, he didn't miss an entire game during the whole of 1920 to injury at all. 18-19, he missed one game because of a knock. That was it. 17-18, so he didn't miss. Uh, he missed four games because of a back problem, uh, April to June, towards the end of the season. And 16-17, he had another one injury, which is his other most important injury, uh, which was eight games because of an ankle problem. And that was four years, five years ago now. So he isn't injury prone because the only muscle injuries he's ever faced is in 2021, which was a hamstring issue of which he missed two games in February and another muscle injury in January, which he missed three games. And then he had a fractured toe where he's missed 14 matches. So to describe him as injury prone and to make comparisons with Renato Sanchez when he's missed, what did I say, 37 more matches of which 14 are from a fractured toe. I'm sorry, Dan, it just doesn't stack up, I'm afraid. So there you go. Um my friend, Tom, your throat sounds sore. You are injury prone. Goal should sack you for that one. I don't I don't write for 101 great goals anymore. I write for football.london, but I appreciate your candor. So there you go. Uh, Dan, maybe I'm wrong. And there you go. We always appreciate people who hold their hands up. I do it all the time, Dan. And uh, as I say, my fantasy record at the moment is quite embarrassing. In fact, I think this might be one of the worst weeks I have ever had uh, in fantasy football. And, you know, I embrace it. I embrace being wrong. I spent four points this week to bring in Fernandez, Sancho, and who was the other person? I can't remember. But, yeah, I thought Man United might bang this week, and they didn't. So, you know, we were all wrong at some point. Uh, Effie says, Tom, would you sign Adam Hlozek? Good in the air, scores with both feet, and technically gifted. Look, I like Adam Hlozek. I think he's a fantastic young talent coming out of the Czech Republic. We did a tactical breakdown on him a about a year ago. I'm not sure how much he's pressed on since then. I know that he's uh, got into the senior Czech Republic setup. Um, playing, obviously, is more of a centre-forward. He had played on the wing previously as well. He's got four goals, eight assists in 16 games. That's impressive for a 19-year-old, even playing in the league that he is. But he's playing in the Europa League. Hasn't got any goals and assists there yet, but has been playing mostly as a centre-forward or a second striker behind the main forward and has been scoring and assisting. If we sign Adam Hlozek as a talent... I would be very, very much, um, you know, I'd be hugely a big fan of that. So there you go. Um, how is Logic's toe? 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, in fact, I can actually find out. Let's have a look. Injury history. Has he have? Does he have an injured toe? Uh, no. What is Carantino? I've never heard that as an injury before. What is that? Carantino massacre. Oh my god. That can't be that. <laughs> He has an injury called a Carantina. I don't know what that is. Maybe someone will be able to tell me. Um, but I have no idea what that is. To be fair, he did have a metatarsal fracture. So he has actually injured his foot. Um, so that's quite funny. So yeah, he has actually had a broken toe. That's quite funny. Or I say you say toe, metatarsal. There, anyway, I'm going to have to wrap things up there, guys, because as I say, I've got to shoot off. Um, have a fantastic day. Hope you're well. And uh, do drop a like on the video. This throat is actually getting better. It's just because it's the early morning now and I'm still getting over this, but I actually am fine. I'm not coughing. Um, as I say, I've done several tests and they're all negative. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. But the, the throat is getting better. It's now I just sound, as you say, I sound like I'm a 50-year-old guy that's got a drinking problem in his 50s, but it's just because it's the early morning and I'm still getting over this bit of a cold that I've had. It will be back to normal. Actually, what you'll do, you will notice this a little bit later on this evening when I do the show after the game tonight, which there will be a show straight after the Everton game. My voice will be fine. It's just because it's the early morning. I hope you're good. I hope you're well. Have a fantastic day. I'll see you after the game this evening, straight after the final whistle on the channel. Um, drop a like on the video, subscribe, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.